We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here. You guys are watching on YouTube. You can tell the old man Andres is not in the building today. He's in a wedding in Mexico, living it up, 90 degrees. Wherever you are, I'm sure it's way colder than that. This man is taking a week off to be in a wedding, so you know what? I got to let him do it. So it's just me today. You know, stuff gets crazy when it's just me. But today we're talking UFC. So we have a card to preview. UFC 282, the last pay-per-view of the year. We're going to recap last week's card as well. Wonder Boy, 39 years old. Man never ages. Doesn't slow down. If you think he does, ask Big Mouth, who was talking to him in the middle of the fight, telling him, damn, how is your old ass still so fast? That card was very fun. We'll recap that as well. And then we have a guest coming on today, fighting at UFC 282 this weekend. We have Chris Dalkis joining the show. I'm here, though. Not, he's not in here, even though the fight's in Vegas. He's in a hotel. No fighters got to chill out. They don't come to the studio. So I'm in here. Everyone in the booth holding it down. Nasty Nestor. Jeremiah holding it down in there, making sure that I am good to go. Like I mentioned, today's MMA. But if this is your first time listening, we also talk boxing and pro wrestling. You'll be getting both of those shows later on in the week as well. We're not going to leave you hanging. Producer Cole, baby, will be joining me for the pro wrestling show on Thursday. Well, actually, I'll be recording that from New York. I'll be there for Teofimo Lopez versus Sandra Martin going down to MSG, covering that for ESPN this weekend. But man, so many boxing events. Good pro wrestling coming up. AW has a special coming up in about a week. So we're talking about all of that on our other shows later this week as well. It's going to be a ton of stuff to cover. Start off today, though, before I jump directly into MMA, I figured, you know what? Here by myself, I want to talk to the people, mix it up a little bit. It's been such a wild year in MMA. We've seen a crazy amount of upsets. We're going to give you our full list, our full best of. 2022 MMA list here in a couple of weeks. So I'm not going to dive directly into that. But this is definitely a special 
year to me. And that's because 2023 marks my 10 years in MMA. So it's been 10 years covering the sport. My first fight was here in Vegas. I mean, I've been covering UFC since 154, I think. We are now at 282 coming up this weekend. So 130 cards have passed since I started covering MMA. Seems crazy. Makes me seem old. When I started covering the sport, I had hair. No, no face, no facial hair. I barely had a mustache. It, it was wild. If uh, anyone ever zooms me or you ask me to be on your podcast and you check Zoom, then uh, yeah, you'd see that is that I'm still baby face in that picture in the middle of Mayweather gym. 10 years has flown by. And recently this week, someone had asked me on Twitter and they were just like, man, how do I get into covering MMA? And they were like, I want to start a website. And I was just like, you know what? Talk about this on the podcast. People, I I love it. Uh, When I got into this, I want to work in a newspaper. It's what I wanted to do. That was journalism at the time. I ended up working on a website and then working for Black Sports Online and other publications, champions, uh, RondaRousey.com, everything in between uh, the news stations here in Vegas. I've... I've never limited myself to a platform. The longest running platform I have is this podcast. We're about to turn nine years old in March, which is, to my knowledge, probably like one of the longest running combat sports podcasts uh, in the world. So that's, that's nuts in its own right. So when you're looking to get into this industry, and, and I know a lot of people who follow us, who listen to the show, a lot of you guys come out to Vegas, you hang out with us, you come, you sit in these chairs, you watch us record, we put the mic up, you guys get to speak. A lot of you have hit me up, two-star podcast, since you've been listening to us. A lot of you are doing great on that end. And it's just like, this industry is not easy, but it's one that all the power is in your hands, even more so than 10 years ago when I started. So I was like, man, yeah, I, I could tell you on Twitter or you could DM me. I could give you game real quick, but so many people listening to the podcast have the same question. And I was like, I'll take some time out beginning an MMA show and answer it for everyone. Don't limit yourself to any platform. Everyone else, especially in combat sports, especially if you're a minority, if you're a woman, if you're anything like that, if you're young, if you're just a new face in combat sports, so many people want to put you into a box. Everyone's going to try to do that. Oh, you're covering boxing? You're a boxing guy. Oh, you're doing this for YouTube. You're just a YouTube boxing guy. Like, everyone wants to fit you into this little box. Don't put yourself there. So when they're like, hey, I want to start a website. Like, yeah, cool. People don't really read websites as much anymore. I'm not going to tell you not to because that's a platform where you can find a voice. You can write. It's a traditional form of journalism that really transfers into other forms. If I wasn't a writer first, I wouldn't be as good at podcasting. I wouldn't be good at my current social job, which I just started social media four or five years ago, which happened to be ahead of the curve. And now I do it for ESPN, right? So it's just, there's not a medium where you should say, well, I just want to do this. You say, I want to cover that. I will cover it for everything. If it's radio, I've had two radio shows here in Vegas um, on AM radio. I started radio in Kansas City as well while I was writing. 
And I was at 610 Sports Radio out there making connections, doing all these other things and collecting these skills that then you, lose, you use later on in your career. So I was like, yo, that's such a good question. And got me reminiscing on my 10 years. I, I think the fights, and we talk about this all the time, probably the fight that sticks out most of my mind, MMA-wise, that I've covered was Conor McGregor versus Chad Mendez, which ended up being Chad Mendez, but it was supposed to be Jose Aldo. So I believe that's UFC 187. If I'm wrong, please correct me. It's either 187 or 189, I believe. But just looking at that fight and the build, still my favorite promo in UFC history, Conor and Jose Aldo, no church in the wild. They're walking down Las Vegas Boulevard. Conor puts the shades up, looking crazy. The perfect storm that was Conor McGregor for those three years, I'm not sure it's ever replicated in MMA. But that's one of those times where it's like, yeah, I'm at the event. I'm credentialed. And I remember it's one of the last fights I wasn't on the floor. So I sat in auxiliary media up in like the 100 level. And I watched from there. And all my colleagues, and I know everyone, and I know Dre, and we have the podcast, and I'm getting to know UFC PR and everything. And... I'm looking down at all those people and I'm like, yo, I want to be where they are. They are like, I want to be in those seats. I want to be in front of the action. I want to have the best seat in the house. That's going to help me be a better journalist. That's going to help me be what I want to be. But damn, I'm already in the room. Like as long as I'm in the room, I'm good. And everything will work itself out. And that's all I could tell all of you guys. Like, it doesn't matter. I've, I've been a substitute teacher here in Vegas. Uh, while covering fights and going to the fights on the weekends. I remember leaving the school, going to the weigh-ins, doing stuff. Only thing it costs you is time. But the time you put in puts you in the room. And as long as you're in the room, you're going to succeed. So that comes with, if you want to cover boxing, MMA, pro wrestling, music, hell anything in terms of journalism, put yourself in the room. And trust, I know it's not easy. I had to pay for a lot of my own travel, a lot of my own things. I had to stay with family in LA or uh, New York, do wild things to cover fights just to be like, okay, I'm credentialed. I got to figure out the rest without a lot of money at the time. But I just want to be in the room. So as long as I'm in the room, I can get to where I want to be. So that was my advice on Twitter. This is my long-winded advice to start off this show. Hopefully you guys take something from it because as good as we are every week, myself, the old man, Andreas, here sitting down, talking MMA, combat sports, everything to you guys. Every time we talk to you, every time we interact on Twitter, Instagram, whenever we chop it up, we DM, we go on you guys' podcast. You guys are equally as good as us. All it is is time and years in the game. But we all started with nothing. Dre, Dre has an incredible music career uh, in terms of journalism. He left that after BT and, you know, kind of set the world on fire when he left BET. And he was like, I want to cover combat sports. And people laughed at him. So he had to do it, I believe, for the space or Hip Hop DX. He was covering combat sports for like a music site. So he wasn't taken seriously at first, but he put in the time. And I mean, he is where he is now. And thankfully, I am where I want to be. And we're only growing. And, and within those spots, we want to help you guys grow. We all want to be in the room. Like there's, it's unlimited capacity, believe it or not. Some people don't treat it that way. So it's, it's great. I love these questions. Wanted to address that first and foremost. 
Now that that is out of the way, it's UFC, baby. We're talking UFC, talking MMA. Chris Cyborg is actually boxing this weekend, in case people don't know. We'll talk about her on the boxing episode. She is on the Terrence Crawford undercard. What a crazy event that is. So Cyborg is an MMA fighter who is now boxing. We'll save her for a different show. But last week, UFC Orlando. Man, damn, did this card deliver. On paper, we knew it was good. Dre said probably the best quote of last week. He was like, you know what? This card is probably better in the pay-per-view. I think he was right. Not to tell you not to buy the pay-per-view. It's available on ESPN+. Plus. Shameless plug. Because, you know, it's the company I work for. But this fight for free on, the, on ESPN last weekend. Crazy. Top to bottom. Before the show started, I was talking to Jeremiah, producer in the booth, about Darren Elkins. The damage. If you haven't watched a fight from that card, Elkins versus Jonathan Pierce. 15 minutes. Pure violence. By the end of this, the guy looked like Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania. Full crimson mask. It looks like he bladed old school Ric Flair style. One hell of a fight. Elkins is crazy. He has the damage tattooed on his chest. What else did we expect in this fight? That fight delivered. Oh, by the way, he lost. Doesn't even matter. Came out looking better from last weekend. Then we have Michael Johnson versus Mark. Listen, Michael Johnson is the weirdest case in MMA. Michael Johnson has wins over people where you'd be like, what? He beat Dustin Poirier at one point. And then he'll lose like three in a row and you're like, yo, this is puzzling. The man is one of the only people to say that they got a good clean hit on Habib. And then Habib started beating the hell out of him in that fight and talking to him. Hey, brother, this is my title shot. You know it. And then talking to Dana and then, boom, Habib, that's the fight that really launched him. Michael Johnson's fight. So Michael Johnson's still fighting. He picks up the win on this card. Talking about people still fighting, Clay Guida. Clay Guida wins again. Last week, I said, this is probably his last fight. I was like, be prepared for him to leave the gloves in the octagon. This is it. The caveman, it's over. He wins again. I don't know. 2022, I started off the show. Said, there's a ton of upsets, right? That's like the narrative in the UFC. The narrative is also old-ass men still kicking ass. All over the UFC. Over Teixeira entered the year as champion. We still get a guy like Clay Guida winning. Andre Orlovsky in the heavyweight division still whooping ass. I, I, I don't know what's going on in the UFC right now. It's wild. And then we see a guy this week, TJ Dillashaw, who just fought for a title last month, messed up his shoulder, announced his retirement this week. TJ's like 32. You know, performance-enhancing drugs and supplements and stuff could break down your body sooner. But you see a guy like Clay Guida fighting forever. Since I was in a senior in high school, I believe, is when I first saw Clay Guida fight. Still fighting today. It's crazy to see the, the different ages in MMA and when certain people peak and the longevity of some fighters. Because it's not like Guida's a jujitsu specialist. He goes out there and he's in wars. Every day, every year, every fight. Still going. Picks up a win on this card. If you bet on this card, by the way, and won, 
on on like if you parlayed this undercard and won, you're the luckiest person on earth. Because no way you called all of these fights going this way. Then prelims main event, Angie Hill picks up the win. I just like Angie. Angie uh does a show with Dre on Sirius every now and then. Amazing person. Always great. Nice to see her back in the win column. I wouldn't say Angie's a gatekeeper because I'm not sure she's ranked high enough, but she's definitely like the litmus test, right? Where it's just like, yo, if you can get in there and you get past Angie, cool, like you belong here. If not, Angie going to whoop up on you and you got to go and reevaluate yourself. You got to go spend some more time in the gym, maybe switch camps, see, see what you got because Angie's as tough as they come. If you can overcome Angela Hill, then you're somebody. So Angie picking up the win is great. Extends her stay in the UFC. I love that. Keep fighting, Angie. And then, really, a fight that shocked me. Nico Price. Philip Rowe. Nico Price gets knocked out in the third round. I thought Nico was going to take this. And I know Nico is always in wars. It's not like the man protects himself. (laughs) Going the distance was probably the, the bet to make, right? Like, yo, this isn't going to the judges. Somebody's getting knocked out. So if you were going to bet on this, it's probably like, yeah, I'm taking this being a knockout for either guy. This is not going 15. And I just thought Nico had enough to really pull out this fight and to start his own winning streak and go forward. And this is a guy that was wildly entertaining. Two years ago, the UFC are trying to give him top 10 opponents. And then now it's just like too much damage, too short of a time. And we'll see where this leaves Nico going forward. but. I mean, damn, he's like a fight away from being in the PFL tournament next year, fighting for a mil. So it, Nico's in a weird place. Eric Anders, next, he wins his fight. Another KO. And this, by the way, this is where shit gets crazy. So <laughs> Nico Price, first knockout, and sign a thing to come. Every fight on the main card ended by stoppage. Every single one. Judges, like, oh, Really? Main car start? Pack up. I'm going to Disneyland, baby. Disney World, wherever. They're in Orlando. They could have went, went to Disney World, chilled in Epcot, unneeded for the rest of this card. So Eric Anders looks amazing against Kyle Dacus. We're talking to his brother uh, later on in the show. And Kyle came out, gave it all his head. But Eric's power just looked different. And this is one of those cases where it's like, damn, styles make fights. And Eric Anders, when he's in his bag and when he's right, it's just so smooth and fluid. And it looked like, yo, is this guy, if you just didn't know anything about him entering this, you'd be like, oh, no, this is a legit middleweight. Like, this guy could be top 10, top Like, he fights that smooth, that good. It's just consistency at this point with Eric Anders. You got to be consistent. He's, when I coach football, uh, the coach I used to coach with always said, look like Tarzan. Play like Jane. And Eric Anders, like, it's not that he plays like Jane or fights like Jane, but he looks like Tarzan. He looks like a guy where you're like, yo, this is, okay, this guy's either a champion or he's a contender. He looks like a million bucks. And then he just got to put that together consistently when he's in Octagon. This is a great performance by him. Jack Hermanson then comes out, loses by knockout, and it's just like, well, I guess Rome is the real deal. (laughs) And then it's, it's, Another one of these fights where you just, Hermanson is another guy. I remember two or three years ago on a streak, on a wave, his name's 
really being mentioned amongst the best in middleweight division. And then you just see how fast that turnover is, how quick, how, how fast the next guy who's 12 and 0, 12 and 1 comes in, and you're just like, damn, like they're rolling. And these guys who are just at the top of divisions now are getting rocked and elevating other people. Pro wrestling term, they're putting someone else over. Talking about that, Taito Ivasa, Mr. Shuey. Dre in here last week said it's Shuey time, baby. Take another Shuey. Sergey Pavlovich did not let up. And for Taito Ivasa, he was like one fight away from a title shot last year. Damn near could have waited. If Francis was healthy, he probably would have got the shot at Francis. Now he's got rock twice. So Cyril gone, tons of damage, heart of a champion last time. Arguably, probably too much damage because now Sergey Pavlovich came in and ran through him to the point of Pavlovich was like, oh, I'm going to fight your game. I'm going to stand here. We're going to trade. We're going to throw bombs. And I'm going to say you're too slow. And I'm going to say every time I throw, you're not going to hit me before I hit you. And at times, Ty is always dangerous. Ty is wobbling. He's going back. He lunges with a big right hook or something. Cool. Sergey was never, never worried about that. And it's, <laughs> well, a minute. Ran through. 54 seconds. Ran through him. It got knife through butter. It's just, when it says a different level of something, when someone's not scared at all. Where he went in and was like, nah, we're going to stand and bang, bro. Like, what? No, you're going to feel you out. No, nope. We're going to stand. We're going to bang. And I'm going to trade and land before you. Nothing but confidence. And now you look at Sergey and be like, well, he can't be far off from the title. They'll probably give him Cyril gone if Cyril, you know, is not going for a title shot. Um, coming up, well, the division, you don't know what's happening at the top of the thing. Um, here in the heavyweight division with John Jones allegedly waiting to come back. And then you have Francis, who don't know when he's going to be healthy or training or ready for a camp. I believe the UFC has like three or four pay-per-view cards um, in the works already. A lot of them international. So where do you even put that fight? It's, it's going to be interesting to see where the heavyweight title lands. And then you still got a guy like Stipe, who's just chilling in a firehouse. Chilling. Fight fires. Collect his check. Like, he's still not the greatest UFC heavyweight of all time. <laughs> like, he's just like, yeah, I fight when I want to fight. So, that's another guy where it's like, if he wants to come out and fight Sergey, he can. So, Sergey's in a good spot, but people are already rocking him to the title already. Um, then we have uh, MCS versus Matthews Naclo. Another knock. Second round. Naclo, just when you go in there, and talk about that confidence, being able to impose yourself on your opponent. Amazing job. Amazing job by him. Co-main event, Brian Barberino was on our show last week, said he wants to take RDA to a place he's never been. He wants to pressure him. Well, the fight went exactly where RDA wanted it to. And that's in the clinch and that's on the ground. And RDA, especially at welterweight, bigger body, he's... Coming from, obviously, being a 155-pound champion, he's gone up and down a little bit trying to find his weight. He's dense. It's not like he's a, a sloppy 170. The man is big. So when he's, when he's on the ground with you, and he has control, 
He's the definition of the wet blanket. It's just taking so much energy. And he just wore down Brian Barrena until he gets the submission victory in the second round. So amazing performance by Dos Anjos against Brian Barrena, who's on a tear, taking out all these veterans. Hardy is like, eh, not so fast. And this brings me, and I won't spend too much time on it, to a very interesting, interesting thing. If Conor McGregor truly wants to come back, he's not getting a title shot off Rip. I'm not even sure if he can make 155. Because now he's super big movie star, just trying to be the world's best action hero, Conor McGregor. It looks like he's 220. But for the sake of this argument, let's say Conor's 195, 190, muscle. He's just yoked now. Let's say he can get back into the testing pool and everything's clean. 190 Conor McGregor, I can see him cutting down to 170, getting in shape. Welterweight might be where he lives from now on if he wants a couple more fights. Welterweight would give him an opportunity to be a three-division champion. Not many people can say that. I don't think anyone can say that. So when, you, when you're looking at that possibility, it's a challenge that may intrigue Connor. You're not coming in. You're not fighting a Leon Edwards. You're not fighting a Kamaru Usman. None of those guys off rip. Why not fight RDA? A fight that was supposed to happen for RDA gets injured. Nate Diaz steps in. Nate Diaz beats Connor. Connor then goes and fights Nate. Nate is no longer in the UFC. It seems like this was yesterday. Wow. How much things have changed since. And RDA is still here. RDA is still winning. Let's see what Connor got. If Connor said he could have knocked RDA out back then, let's go for it. Let's see how that fight would have played out. You two fight at welterweight. And then, Connor, if you want a title shot, if you want a Bogart and say, I'm pay-per-view Connor, if you want to come in and after Leon and Kamaru run it back, whoever wins that, if you say, you know what? Especially if Kamaru wins. If Kamaru wins, he'd be like, ah, the wolf, he got to wait. Hamzat, nah, you're good. You go, go wait for a second because I'm challenging Usman. And Usman wants the pay-per-view check. I wouldn't mind Usman versus Connor after that, but earn it. Not right away. I think comeback RDA fight would be great. I feel like if it's not a title fight after that, because Connor doesn't really need a belt. That's more like for legacy, bragging rights. But his second fight could be a guy like Jorge Masvidal at welterweight, like Colby Covington at welterweight. Those, those options are huge pay-per-views for him. So when you look at it, I think RDA is the perfect first fight because you can't beat RDA. You ain't beating those guys. You think whatever you want. Those guys are still really damn good. So, let's see it. I, I would love to see Connor mix it up with RDA. Because that's one of a, a, a big what-if fight in UFC history. And then main event, Steven Wonderboy Thompson versus Kevin Holland. Another welterweight matchup. Man, Holland had so much buzz a year ago. And I, I feel like Holland was like the darling of the pandemic, right? So. That pandemic time, he was fighting all the damn time. Looking up his record now, 3-0 during the pandemic. Beat Jacare um, in the last fight, UFC 256, during the pandemic. And then since, it's just not been the same. Derek Brunson lost. Marvin Vittori lost. Getting out wrestled, just talking. Hamza ran through him two minutes. His last fight. Cool, he submitted to your means. That's it. One win past two years. Now you give him... 
Stephen Thompson, he breaks his hand early in the fight, so that's cool. And he shows immense toughness getting through there and even getting it to four rounds. But he didn't, he couldn't go back out for the fifth. He was spent. And Wonder Boy is dancing circles around him. Wonder Boy, I'm not sure if this official stat, I didn't check with Sig, stats and info at ESPN or anything, but I would bet Wonder Boy threw the most spinning head kicks, spinning kicks in a fight in UFC history. He was trying to take him out of there with spinny shit. And Wonderboy looked great. And that's why Wonderboy, to me, has always been one of the most intriguing matchups at welterweight. And talking about a guy who should just jump the list, I thought if Kamaro would have won against Leon, and that was clean and definitive, Kamaro damn near beat everyone else. I was like, yo, I just want to see him against Wonderboy. Because it's such a different puzzle. Yes, you can wrestle him. Yes, you can catch him and, and sleep him or whatever. But... He's going to make that shit a chess match. And if you get in a chess match with him, you can find yourself down real quick on the card. That's Tyron Wood. Had to come down and land a knockdown in the fifth round of their first fight to get out of there with a draw. So, Wonderboy's such a unique fighter. 39 years old. But that style, the grace, everything is still there. I'm not sure how much longer he fights, but just a beautiful style to watch. Like a true karate style. And, man, it's so fun. It was so fun watching him this weekend. That card delivered top to bottom. I mean, one of the best cards of the year. And we've been saying that a lot lately. But that's definitely one of the best cards of the year right there. Next up, we got to preview this weekend's card, though. UFC 282 going down from Vegas. Dre's not here to give his predictions, so I will give mine. Another card that's stupid deep. So, Chris Curtis, Joaquin Buckley on the prelims. Both guys have been on the show. Both guys are exciting. Give me Joaquin Buckley, though. I think, like, talking about spinny shit and throwing crazy kicks and knockouts and everything. I just think he's dynamic. So, give me Joaquin Buckley. Edmund Shabazian trying to right the ship. They're finally giving him someone that looks like on paper he's matched up evenly. He got to prove why he was one of the hottest prospects over the past five years in all MMA before the wheels fell off. Give me Edmund Shabazian. There, Raul Rosas Jr., the youngest fighter to ever sign with the UFC. This kid's big time. They're not going to pair him too tough. Again, there's no soft touches in the UFC, right? These are grown-ass men, especially for someone that young, 18 years old. But give me Rosas to really put a stamp on this, and the crowd's going to go nuts for him. They can't wait to watch that. And then Rosenstruck versus Daukas who Chris Dawkins will have on the show this week. His younger brother took a tough loss last week. He's looking to bring home a W for the family before the end of the year. Rosenstruck is tough, man. He is tough. And Dawkins has been struck, stopped two fights in the row. <sighs> Rosenstruck's coming also a loss too. And then a knockout loss, excuse me. And then he also had a loss before and then to Curtis Blades. But only the elite elite seem to beat him. It's really a fight for Chris to see, yo, how good are you? But he's on the show. I don't pick against people on the show. Chris Dalkus wins this weekend. Shocks everyone because most people think Rosenstruck's going to knock him out. Nope. Give me him knocking Rosenstruck out. Let's do it. I, I just feel like he's holding it down for Guests of the Corner podcast. And we need a new streak. Chris Dalkus puts us on the map with that. Can't wait to talk to him in a quick second. Opening up the main card, Bryce Mitchell, Camo Shorts, Ilya Taporia. This is one of the hardest fights to call, and these guys are both stupid young. Stupid young. Bryce Mitchell, 
stupid young, and Taporia has just been running people over. What he did to Ryan Hall a couple fights ago was just crazy. So, you know what? Bryce Mitchell is nasty on the ground, but I don't think Taporia lets it get there. Give me Taporia to win this fight. Give me him to stop Bryce Mitchell. We've had a crazy run of stoppages on the last card. Let's keep it going. Main cards, stoppages, keep rolling. Taporia to stop Bryce Mitchell. Then Darren Till uh, versus Drickus. Darren Till gets knocked out. I don't know what Darren Till is. He's not healthy. Um, Hamzad is great as a training partner and everything else. And Darren Till was a fun story and still only 29 years old. I mean, guy hit the UFC like a comet. Um, but again, losing to Robert Whitaker and then who else beat him? Derek Brunson beat him before then. Corey Masvidal knocked him out in the UK. Just a bad run of luck. Bad, just health issues all the way around for Darren Till. Don't know what he is. So I got to pick him to lose this fight. Uh, if he wins, I'm sure people will be pleasantly surprised. But I, I just don't see it. I don't, I don't see him winning this fight. And then Alex Morano versus Santiago Ponzanibio. Um, Alex steps in short notice into this fight. So give me Ponzanibio to win by spinny shit. I mean, you never know what Ponzanibio is going to do, but he's definitely not the guy you want to step in short notice against. Robbie Lawler is supposed to be in the spot. Robbie gets injured. So that's sad to see. I mean, a legend of the game, Robbie, coming out here. That was going to be fun. But Ponzanibio... You need a full, a full camp to study this guy's movements. So unpredictable, everything. I have him winning, but by decision. But man, that's, that's going to be a hard puzzle to figure out. Then Patty the Batty, co-main event. Quick co-main event for Patty the Batty versus Jared Gordon. I know the UFC has spoiled his fans lately. You usually have title fights, maybe two or three on every card, but definitely co-main have been title fights. Not on this one. But... You got a guy who's a star, a star in the UFC. So you're looking at that, and Patty made his debut. I mean, he's been in the UFC just over a year. He's already in the co-main. He's been sneaking out these wins, and I think, I think he has enough to beat Jared Gordon in the same way. Gordon's going to get on top of him, might knock Patty down. Patty always gets into the thick of it, nearly looks like he's going to lose, throws up some crazy submission, and wins and goes crazy. Give me Patty Pimblett by submission, celebrating, and T-Mobile Arena going wild. And Patty then is going to eat everything, everything in T-Mobile Arena. Usually you catch us by the Shake Shack every fight. Patty's going to be there before us. He's going to fight. He's going to leave the octagon, walk right up the steps, go right to Shake Shack, and go crazy. So, yeah, give me Patty the Batty to win this one. Main event, Jan Blahovich versus Magomed Ankalaev. This is a fight that changed up last second, um, especially because Yuri gets injured. Yuri gives up the belt, says he doesn't want to hold up the division. Glover doesn't want to take a fight against these guys on short notice. He would have fought Blakovich, but that's not what the UFC wanted. They said, going into this fight, Ankalev deserves it. Who's going to fight him? And Blakovich was like, I'll do it. Let's get it. So looking at this fight, Hovich is very good, former champion, chance to get his hand on it. The belt, not even interim belt, belt again. I'm sure he's snapping at this opportunity. Uncle Ayev has just elite, elite strength. And I don't think Blahovich is ready for that. And I don't think he can put Uncle Ayev. So 
I think it's going to be dominant. But Blahovich is also really tough, so I'm not going to say he's going to get knocked out. But this is, I don't want to stereotype, but this is going to be a dominant, like Habib's type, type win where he just grinds him out and just dominates from first to last bell. And you're just like, damn, you should be in the shit out of him. And sometimes he plays with his food. But I, I, I think, and in title fights, it's hard to just, again, run through people, right? KO everyone. Uncle I'm so young, and it's just like, you look at this, and it's how much do you have against the top of the division? He just started fighting top of the division guys two years ago. Granted, he's running through all of them, right? So went to distance with Ozdemir. B. Krylov went to distance. You're looking at Anthony Smith, knocked him out. Went to distance with Tiago Santos. Just wears people out. You just can't match the pace. And I have him going 25, just wearing down Jan in this fight. And we have Anu, Magomed, Ankalaev. And then when you come back, when Yuri gets healthy and comes back, what a style matchup. Because Yuri is one of the hardest guys to figure out on the feet. And then you look at him, he just subbed a guy like Glover when he was on the ground. So it's like the ground skills are catching up. So Ankalaev versus him is like two perfectly different styles that you don't know who's going to win. I think that would be a great matchup. I have Ankalaev winning at UFC 282 this weekend here in Vegas. Don't go anywhere, though. When we come back, we have Chris Dalkish joining us, talking about UFC 282, his upcoming fight, heavyweight division. He's looking to climb the ranks, super tough opponent. His brother just took an L last week in a tough fight. He's looking to bring the win back from the family and 2022 on a good note. We're going to talk to Chris right after this. All right, everyone, we are back. As promised, our guest this week, Chris Dalkis, fighting this weekend, UFC 282 in Vegas. Pay-per-view, closing out the year. No pressure at all, Chris, to go in there and uh, put on a statement victory to close out 2022. First and foremost, thank you for joining us. I could see you chugging the water. I got a question. Yeah. Heavyweights cut weight? What's going on here? Why are you drinking the water? Uh, thirsty. That's really the only thing I drink anymore. Um, some heavyweights do do uh, do cut weight. I know uh, Derek Lewis does cut weight. Uh, some of the bigger guys do cut weight. I think Francis cuts weight too. I think he was uh, he's like three hundred and fifteen pounds right now. So he's oh, he's God. a big monster. But <laughs> yeah, but as of me, I'm not cutting any kind of weight. Just just trying to stay hydrated. How important is that for you? And do you think this is something? In general, MMA, that people kind of, they stretch themselves too much to cut down to a different division, drain themselves a little bit. Do you feel like, man, I'm so glad I'm not like a light heavyweight or anything like that. Do you feel like it's a benefit you going in and just being the healthiest version of you? Yeah, yeah. Honestly, um, I I go through the weight cut with my brother when he's cutting weight. Um, You know, we just did that this past weekend. Um, And I see the the type of toll that it takes on his body. He's performs all these fighters perform after cutting weight which is a little a little crazy if you ask me about how they how well they can perform while cutting weight uh, but yeah but for me i just feel like i perform that much better to where i don't have to worry about um you know cutting weight doing uh, everything all for during fight week i just have to maintain what i have been you know 
building during fight uh, during the fight camp and just you know go out there and perform. So obviously you're fighting this week, so cutting weight, yeah. going through like a weight cut with your brother makes sense. When you aren't fighting, yeah. do you still go through his weight cut with him? Like, do you just be like, hey man, I understand. Uh, I'll just diet because you're dieting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like if we have to travel or anything like that uh, for his flights, um, sticking to whatever he's eating, um, you know, we'll get a nutritionist. So he gets a nutritionist for his uh, flight camps. Um, the nutritionist will be making him food. He'll be making me food. So there's really, it's not like he's cutting weight, eating, you know, salads and stuff or eating whatever he's eating. And I'm ordering cheesesteaks and pizza and chicken wings and French fries. So yeah, it's definitely something uh, that you have to be mindful of, uh, especially in the sport with the, uh, with the athletes. Man, that'd be cold blooded. You just out here, just like yeah, snacking right? on pizza, yeah. just looking at it. I'm just laughing. snacking on whatever I want. Yeah, <laughs> nah. No, nah, I mean, not. okay. So, how important is it? How cool is it to have a brother in the UFC with you? Because it's so hard to make it to the UFC, right? Like you guys are the top of the yeah. top, the best athletes in the world. And then you see, like, you know, my brother's here too. We we've seen it a couple times. Of course, we have the Diaz brothers. We have a couple yeah. other pairs of brothers throughout history. But it's very few. How cool is it that both you and your brother reached the pinnacle of the sport? It's it's really uh, amazing to uh, to say that that we both put our minds to something, and we both reached the the highest levels that this sport has to offer. Um, you know, like you were saying, being compared or being in the same conversations uh, of like the Diaz brothers, the Gilbert brothers, all those guys, Gilbert Burns brothers. You know, it's it's really crazy to think about the, that we've etched our names in history as being a, a a duo, a brother duo who's who's made it to the top. You know, it's really something to be proud of. All right, question of the night, and we got great questions right. coming up. This is this is the one. All right, pound for pound, you guys weigh the exact same. Who's winning? Yeah, Kyle beats my ass every time. <laughs> I like every that. time, he's more he's more skilled, <laughs> and that's yeah, that's he's he's more skilled, and I'm I'm okay with. Was saying that I, I think that the uh, the lighter weight guys have to be more skilled in the in the fact that they don't carry as much power. I mean, obviously, people are still knocking other people out at you know seventy, fifty five, you know eighty five, all those numbers. But there's something about a heavyweight where you can you can get away with being less technical, especially in the striking game. Um, they, a lot of guys just have to land once and the fight's over. So I think we rely on that a lot more than uh, than being technically sound. You mentioned that, and since you got into the UFC, listen, I, I see yeah. people work their way up the rankings, and, and people may take a yeah. fight or two and be like, oh, I don't care about who I fight, but you really personify that because you got in and they yeah, gave you, like, care. killers, like, immediately. Yeah. <laughs> no easy yeah. fights. Uh, what is nah. that? Like, you, you fought through the gauntlet, so you came in winning, and then now you've had a couple tough fights, but even those yeah. guys, I mean, you fight someone like Derek Lewis. And then you come back and you yeah. fight someone completely different like Curtis Blades. Two different skill yeah. sets, two top five guys. Yeah. What is it like preparing for the heavyweight division now that people say, well, it's not a great division. But you said yeah. everyone got power. Everyone's a killer up there. Yeah. What is it like just immediately getting thrown into that? Uh, super stressful. Uh, you know, you go from watching these guys and, and looking at what they do to other men inside the octagon for however many years you're watching. And then all of a sudden you get that call where that name comes across the phone and you're like, all right, I guess we're doing this. You know, I, I believe in myself, you know, I, I've been saying it all these years. I believe I'm one of the best in the world. And in order to be one of the best in the world, you have to beat some of the best in the world. And, uh, you know, I lost my last two fights to the, you know, the, at the time, the number three and the number four guy in the division. 
Uh, it's nothing to hang my head about. It's, it's just a part of the game. And, um, you know, I'm proud to be where I'm at. And it, it's pretty crazy to be thinking about that. I'm, you know, however many years signed in the UFC, just over two years now. And I'm, you know, at where I'm at right now. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Fighting top five guys within two years. People say yeah. a lot of times, like, you know, a lot of fighters say they don't hit their peak in the UFC till five, six years in where you finally yeah. master mixed martial arts, right? And you get all these disciplines yeah. and you get that experience. Do you feel like your best days are still ahead? Do you feel like these challenges, win or lose so far in your career, are only preparing you for when you really take off? Absolutely. And and I, I don't think that's just with me. I think, like you were saying, a lot of guys really don't feel like they hit their stride until like the fifth or sixth year in the UFC uh, if they make it that long. Um, but you know, it, it's really about just finding myself in there, finding myself, you know, being comfortable with the company, with all the eyes and and uh, all the events going on. You know, flying all over the world. I was just in Orlando like three days ago, so with with my brother. So flying to Abu Dhabi, you know, during the height of COVID and all that, that was that was pretty crazy. But it's it's really cool. You know, it's 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 something that's that's good. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I really can't wait to see what the the following years, you know, really showcase. Especially like being a mixed martial artist, like you were saying, guys really don't hit their stride. And I just think that we're constantly learning as a mixed martial artist. Like, if I was to, you know, if you were to fight me now compared to, you know, who I was when I first got signed, we're completely different guys. Like, and that that goes for everyone in in, in any weight class because you have to be. The, the game's forever changing. The game will will never stop. And, and if you don't adapt and you don't get better, the game's going to leave you behind. You mentioned all the different places you've had to fight since getting into the UFC. It's not yeah. like you came in during a normal time. So you came yeah. in as like pandemic hit. You're, you're flying yeah. to, you know, Yas Island, you know, to fight. Or now yeah. there's tons of Apex fights where before it was a different location yeah. every week. Now, you know, there's yeah. a location every three months if you're not on a pay-per-view and you're fighting in front of 200 people in the Apex. Yeah. How good yeah. is it to be on a pay-per-view card in front of a packed house and kind of get that normalcy back in MMA? Or do you not care? Do you like fighting in like yeah. the apex in front of 20 people? As long as I'm getting paid to punch people in the face, I really don't care where, where it happens at. Uh, there is something to say about fighting in front of a massive UFC crowd. Uh, the first crowd I ever fought in front of was the uh, Brian Ortega Volkanovski card. So that was at the T-Mobile Arena. Um, and that was awesome. That was the greatest experience I've ever had in the UFC besides main eventing, you know, at Columbus with the, you know, the posters and everything like that. And being on the marquee, people going there, it was completely sold out, but there's something different about fighting in Vegas on a pay-per-view card at the T-Mobile arena. And I just can't wait for Saturday. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. It's going to be rocking getting in there. Now you got Roizenstruck coming at you this yeah. weekend. It's like, all right. Keep giving yeah. me guys with like insane power. I, how do you feel I'm now? Fine with it. <laughs> how do you feel that you match up with him? And have you taken anything from your ta- past two fights? You know, fighting top five guys that you're going to transition into this fight. Yeah, it, it's really you know. I think I match up well with him. Um, obviously, if we're going off of paper, uh, he's got the better stand up credentials. He's a world-class kickboxer. He's got, you know, multiple titles in multiple organizations from all over the world before he made the jump to MMA. So there's, you know, people could say that he's he's the better striker on paper, but I just think that I mix everything out that much better. Now, granted, I haven't shown I haven't shown that in my past fights. Um <clears throat> not really sure about what I'm gonna do with this fight. You know, some days some days uh, my ego gets the best of me and I'm I'm really like, uh, maybe I'll just stand and bang with this dude and we'll just figure it out. 
You know, I always want to test myself against the guys with that they're where their expertise is considered. So, you know, if I'm fighting a wrestler or a wrestler, you know, big power guy, we'll go shot for shot. We'll see what happens. But yeah, you know, fighting the top guys, it's, it's been really good. Something that I can take away from. It's just the, the whole experience of, of that pressure and the added pressure of, of having a, you know, the guys having a number next to their name, them being at the top for so long. It's just, you know, now I just see it as it's just another dude, just another fight, man. And, Anything could happen in there, especially MMA, and it's going to be fun come Saturday. How good is it to be in a division that's that wide open? Because like you just mentioned, your past two fights didn't go your way, but yeah. you're only two fights away yeah. from climbing right back up there, right? We just saw Tai Tuivasa, yeah. who was on the top of the world. Yeah. He's, you know, one fight away from the title shot. He just dropped two. Yeah. So, like, anything can happen yeah. in this division. We see a guy who wasn't in the UFC a year and a half ago, just beat Ty, and then, like, it's like people yeah. are calling for him to get a title shot. How good is it to be in a division yeah. like the heavyweight division? It's 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 crazy to think about, right? Like you know, you can go from being a nobody, quote unquote, nobody who was just signed and had, not having any kind of name recognition or brand brand recognition to be, you know, the the next guy for a title, and and that's what I think is really great about you know, it's good and bad, I guess, for the heavyweight division, right? Because you know, us heavyweights and us as martial artists, we want to be considered like real mixed martial artists. We just want to think about like other just big guys who just throw bombs and they just get lucky. You know, they just, you know, they just like to actually have like skills and all that. So that, that's what's kind of like good and bad, I guess, about the division. But, you know, you go on a, you know, you go on a tear, you go on a losing streak, you lose one or two, you're out of the quote unquote, out of the picture. And then all of a sudden you rack off a great win or a second win. And then the next thing people are calling for you for a title shot. So it's great. I'm, uh, I'm fine with it. I'd much rather that happen than, uh, me having to fight and win 12 times to even get my name mentioned in anything. So yeah, I'll definitely take it. I love that about the heavyweight division. When you look at it, yeah. people are like, oh, it's not a great division because everyone loses. I'm like, that's why it's a great division. <laughs> yeah. The most title defenses right, ever. No yeah, it's two defenses ever because yeah. like even the champions yeah. lose constantly. It's, it's such that's a right. great that's turnover. Right. Looking at that though, and you put a couple fights together, everyone's goal is to get to the belt. When you look at mm-hmm. this though, the champs have been out for a year. And Francis, yeah, probably going to be longer. Cooper, there's been no fights since, yeah. no interim. Other other divisions would have had two interim title fights by now. Yeah, um, there's right. you know the looming specter of John Jones hanging over the division, yep. like him bulking up to kind of get into heavyweight. When you look at that, do you feel like, man, where there's a lot of good guys in this division? Do you feel like it's being held up at all? Like, do you just kind of wish, like, all right, come on, let's let's get this on on its way. Let's have a champion. No, because in the position that I'm that I'm in currently in my in my career in my position, I can get fights all I want. Now, if I was the number one or number two guy, that's a little bit different, you know. Like people people are calling for title shots. You know, people are saying about how John is supposed to be fighting Francis, um, and then they said if Francis isn't isn't ready to go, they're going to give John. I think Curtis Blades, which is I'm I'm fine with. I, I think Curtis should have should have had a, a title shot long before. I think he's the best guy in the division who hasn't got a title shot, and I think that's kind God of like I have something you know, to say about that as well. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> hey, you know, if, if Francis and John go at it, have them go at it, and then have Curtis and and Gon go at it, and, oh, and winners fight each other. Yeah, let's see if Gon can wrestle. Absolutely buy that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Well, you know, Francis exposed that a little bit, saying that he he couldn't wrestle. So we'll see how how well. And this goes back to what I was saying about us as being martial artists and how quickly we can 
adapt new skill set. We'll see how we'll see how good he is. We'll see how good he is at, at applying those new skill sets that, that he's going to have to learn, especially when he fights Curtis. So we'll see. With a lot of these guys having come from kickboxing, from other disciplines, yeah. John Jones held the belt for 10 years before he decided to bulk up. Yeah. And he's been, you know, in yeah. and out this whole time. Do you feel you have an advantage yeah. being fresh? Like being two years in, do you feel like, man, these guys got a lot of miles either in other promotions and champions or in the UFC? And yeah. I'm just coming in here like I'm going to outlast them all. Yeah, I mean, well, well, to be honest with you, I'm like one of the, the younger guys in the division. Uh, if we're going to go off of you know time in the division. And, you know, it's just the, the normalcy of things, right? Like, you have all the old guys, not quote-unquote old guys, but, you know, the guys who've been in the promotion for however many years, they're they're making their way. They, they've pretty much etched their position in the division. And then you have us, you know, quote-unquote new guys. I mean, I'm not really not that new anymore. I've been here for, you know, over two years. So, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's cool to see. But, um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see how the, the old guys, you know, stack up against the new guys. I mean, like you were saying, the, the mileage on people, that, that definitely takes a toll. I mean, you're fighting the best guys in the world and we're not little guys. And, you know, it's different than training because you take a lot of damage in training, but you take you take a shit ton of damage in a fight. And for some of these people, like Arlovsky's had, I don't know how many fights. The dude's got like close to 50 fights. He's unreal. However many are in the UFC. <laughs> that, that dude, I, I have to figure out his secret about how he's, you know, lasted this long. <laughs> yeah, you find out. You let me know. Um, last, yeah, right. <laughs> last question. Perfect. When you go to sleep this week every night and you visualize yeah. how this fight is going to go, visualize how you're going to win. How do you get it done on Saturday? Yeah. Perfection. I mean, shit. First ten seconds, I land the jab. He falls down. But <laughs> obviously, that's not going to happen. Uh, but no, yeah. I mean, come out there, move a little bit. Um, I touch him up. We'll see how it goes. See how his chin's holding up. See how my chin's holding up. I'm not looking to get, like I said in prior, prior interviews and stuff, I'm not looking to get into any kind of fight of the year, end of the end of the year, fight of the year candidate. I'm not trying to get any of that. I don't want any of that. Um, you know, performance of the night, I'll obviously take that, but no fight of the year. I want to be dominating everything. I don't want this to be a war. I want to be completely, you know, better than him in, in every way in every way that this fight could possibly go. If he decides that he wants to wrestle or, you know, clinch game, I'm fine with that, but I just have to be completely better. And I just, just winning. That's all I really care about is just getting the win. Man, I can tell you're focused. It's great coming into yeah. this week. Can't wait to watch the fight. Thank you so much for taking time now and joining us. Can't wait to watch of course. on Saturday night. Appreciate you. Thank you guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you, everyone. Chris Daukis fighting UFC 282 this weekend in Vegas. The last pay-per-view card of 2022 sounds crazy saying that. I can't believe it's already 2023. This is, what, 10 years for me covering MMA here in Vegas. My first fight was in 2013 that I covered for the UFC. So time is flying by. This podcast is about to be nine years old. So it's, it's wild to think about. We appreciate you all. Make sure you guys check us out all throughout the week. We still have boxing and pro wrestling shows to come. This week, producer Cole Bay Bay will be joining me on the pro wrestling show. So, you know, he's going to say wild stuff. He hasn't been on in a couple of weeks. You just get ready to hear all of his hot takes. It is going to be fun. In the meantime, follow us on social media at Corner Podcast underscore on Twitter. Corner Club for Life on Instagram. Follow me at Kel Dansby. The old man, Andreas Hell, is in a wedding in Mexico in the middle of December. It's like 90 degrees. I hate him. 
He'll be back next week as well. We appreciate you all. For everyone here at Blue Eye Studios, thank you for holding it down. Thank you for producing the show. Till next time, we're out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.